0: Hey, what's happening? It's November, everybody. Monday, November 1st, 2021. And let's get into it. There's a lot to talk about. Big race tomorrow. Actually, maybe two. Maybe two. Two races for governor in what are known as blue states. Not only Virginia, but New Jersey is getting some attention. And by the way, it's been since I believe last Thursday since I had a show. I actually did one Friday. started one. And although there were only 20 minutes of a recorded podcast, I was talking for almost 45. And I was traveling using the same system, the same app. But unfortunately, because the iPhone is a Chinese hate machine of fucking misery, if you plug into a power source, as if, you know, you don't ever run out of battery, you got to plug it in sometimes. Midway, So if I'm talking and I plug in my illustrious, what do I have, an iPhone 11X fucking China Pro, whatever it is, it automatically stops recording. It doesn't tell you. So about halfway through the podcast Friday, I plugged in my phone. And because I can be so eloquent and so on fire, and I fucking was, it was good. And, and we're gonna cover some of the same issues. A lot has happened since then. So I felt like getting back to it when I was able and starting from that point would have been useless because it was a Friday show. My weekend was busy, so here I am, and I apologize. But how lame is that? Why, why? What little feature, is it the app, is it the iPhone? Is it people from China that work for the app that I use, which is Podbean, or is it people from China working for Apple, or is it, I don't know, it's just an oversight. It's stupid. It's lame. It's not going to happen again. It's unbelievable. But anyway, I've been talking about it for a few weeks now, and I'm extremely optimistic about what's going to happen in Virginia tomorrow. Very optimistic. I feel very good about it. Everything we know about political races, everything about polling, everything about what leads up to and leads to a winner, Everything is in Glenn Youngkin's favor. When you look at the type of campaign Terry McAuliffe ran, a typical liberal campaign, but then made the typical liberal mistakes when the pressure was on. He got more cynical, more negative, and he made it about Trump, which is what every election in our lifetime might end up being for liberals who think they might lose especially when they feel they're entitled to win i mean this isn't a race in texas where one of these days a democrat might sneak by i mean god love you texas but you almost voted for beto o'rourke robert o'rourke that bitch on wheels i mean that's embarrassing he's not even a man and he, he had a shot against Ted Cruz as senator. And he's going to run for governor this next go-round, which would be 2024 for Texas. He's going to run for governor. And, he's, and people are going to vote for him. There are plenty of stupid people in Texas. But Yunkin has done what many thought to be impossible because Virginia is or has become what's known to be a solid blue state because Northern Virginia, the Washington DC suburbs are white self-hating liberals. And of course, still the Democrats capitalize on the black vote in cities around DC. And so they just grew it and grew it. And Trump won it in 2016, but lost it by a significant margin. And I think some of it was bullshit, but he lost it by 10 points in 2020. It's a blue state. Here comes Glenn Youngkin, not the biggest lover of Trump, but was smart enough to embrace him and accept and be gracious about his endorsement. If and when Youngkin wins tomorrow, that is a roadmap for these Republicans that don't necessarily want to lock arms with Trump, which might be smart in these bluish purple states, whether they're running for governor, for Congress or for Senate. But don't try to be what this Duncan guy is, this Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant Governor from Georgia, who's trying to start a Republican Party anti-Trump 2.0 shindig. He's even written a book that no one's buying. That's not going to work. I mean, I hate saying no matter what happens, Youngkin did well, which is true, but I'm not in that business right now. Not only do I want a victory, I want a bloodbath victory because this is a bellwether election for the rest of the country, especially for 2022. There's no getting around that. McAuliffe is a worm. He had been governor for four years up until 2018, and he thought he had it in the bag. He's brought out all the big guns. He had more money. By all intents and purposes, by any measure, he should win tomorrow, and I don't think he is. Momentum from Fox News is trending towards Glenn Young, and that's huge towards the end of an election. Where the momentum is, even on 538, which is run by a guy named Nate Silver, there's a big liberal leftist polling organization... He has decent results. He's fairly accurate, and he does a lot of poll averaging. And you can see he does a trend line, and the Yunkin trend line towards the end, the last two weeks, has shot up positive, while McAuliffe's has gone down. And by any average you take of polls, Yunkin is ahead. The Fox News poll last week had him eight points ahead, which freaked the Democrats out, freaked them out, and now. You've got McAuliffe. He's, I mean, he's going to be known as one of those losers like John Corzine. I mean, these guys, when they lose a blue state, that they're just supposed to win, you're a nobody in the Democratic Party afterwards. Now, that is at their cocktail parties and all their fundraisers. He'll run again because they celebrate their failures eventually, right? He'll run for something, maybe Senate. And, um... I mentioned Jersey for a reason that's where Corzine that's the last democrat to lose an election there as governor it's happened but what we're seeing i i think and it's a good thing right now that these elections are nationalized right what does that mean it means the issues that are being discussed and argued and debated and that are prioritized by the voters of Virginia are nationally prioritized issues. They are important for all of us. Schools, this is the big one. This really turned the race. And McAuliffe did it himself. But what he did is he created a voice for all parents, not just conservative, not just liberals. There are a lot of Democrats, registered Democrats in Virginia that are voting for Yunkin. It's been polled. Anytime you go interview at a Yunkin rally, they are finding people that voted for Biden going to a rally for Glenn Youngkin, the Republican candidate. So what happened with schools? You have school boards that have been outed. They have been outed for a number of things. The biggest, most serious and disgusting disgusting issue is in Loudoun County, Virginia, which is a liberal Democrat area. You had a girl who was sexually assaulted by a boy in a dress in the girl's restroom. And the school coordinated in covering it up. And the school board knew about it. The school board president claims he doesn't or didn't. And it's bullshit. That set a lot of things off along with critical race theory, which Terry McAuliffe still claims isn't taught in public schools. Yet you go to a number of websites that discuss the curriculum and they mention critical race theory. He's nobody believes it, but he Like any Democrat in a blue state, he expects just enough of his lemmings of the knee pad voters to do what he tells them. And it's not working because this is not a partisan issue. When you're talking about not only critical race theory, but kids being in danger in perverse curriculum, odd sexual curriculum in really strange, purely activist curriculum. I mean, they have books, recommended books for these schools. They're kids' books. We're talking like the cardboard page type books that celebrate your social justice baby. It's weird stuff, it's psychotic. And they got away with it for a long time. Unfortunately, parents, I mean, we're busy. And maybe we don't have the time to pay attention all the time on what happens on the other side of those doors when we drop our kids off. But guess what happened in 2020? And the irony of it, the beauty of it is it happened more in blue states and it bit them in the asses. These kids were at home on computers in expensive areas that don't have a lot of square footage. So mom and dad heard these teachers, these entitled leftist lazy teach from a manual ideologues and they heard it wait what the fuck she just say my kid's an oppressor all of a sudden parents were given a window into the dark soul of public education and it was a massive revolt that started and it's officially a revolution if Yunkin wins tomorrow not just a rebellion you know that's the difference, right? It's a rebellion if they lose. Like what we did to the British, it's a revolution because we fucking won. And I predict the same thing happens tomorrow. God help us, if this goes the other way, it looks something like the recall in California, it it will be, I don't know. It's going to be a problem in Virginia. People are going to be upset because everyone on the ground there has this called for Yunkin. Everyone. The Trafalgar group who's known for being one of the few pollsters that predicted Trump was going to win in 2016, they're deep into the poll, right? In Trafalgar, they have this thing breaking late for Youngkin. It's really important to get a feel, and Trafalgar's really good about this, getting a feel on the ground for where undecided voters are breaking late, right? Because early voting's been over for over a week. So it all comes down to tomorrow if you haven't voted yet. And there are people that hadn't decided Right. And so now you have and Trafalgar actually wrote a note to Sean Hannity today during his show and said it's late breaking for Yunkin. That's huge for a guy that's already passed up McAuliffe in the polls. Now, there's a poll here and there. You never I mean, that has McAuliffe still ahead, but it's never by any margin. It's of any meaning. And it's the minority now. This is amazing because three weeks ago it was the opposite. And it was going to be more of a Hail Mary for Glenn Youngkin. I mean, he had a shot. Well, it's all changed. It's a big day tomorrow. Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, is going to do what needs to be done. It's going to be a message. And the beauty of it, it's going to be on a day that we were told this weekend by Biden, by Jen Psaki, who has COVID, I guess, real endorsement for the vaccine, We were told that there was going to be a vote on Tuesday on reconciliation, the infrastructure, the big mega bill. And strategically, it was a pretty smart move. I think they know what's going to happen in Virginia. They know it's a bellwether election, and they wanted to take some air away from what is going to be a big story, what is going to be a big night for the Republican Party and for Donald Trump. But that's not going to happen. We found out this morning or late Sunday they still got to work through it. Right, They still have to get through the details. Well, the left, the far left of the party, the Bernie Sanders AOC squad is still not happy. And then today, Manchin comes out and I, I mean, I was surprised and blows it all up. Because now he's actually wanting to see receipts. He wants to know the impact of the big reconciliation budget on debt He's demanding to see it. And House progressives had insisted on more clarity from him before taking up a separate infrastructure bill. So he wants to vote next week as soon as possible on just infrastructure. It's still going to be over a trillion. He doesn't want to do this mega package that's really just been toyed with to be just as much as the $3.5 trillion original Build Back Better plan. What they've done is they've just cut down on the timeline. Right? They've made it a shorter term. A lot of the original crap is still in there. And I'm not going to go nuts and get mad about them helping people pay for pre-K. The problem is, where does it end? Right, Where does it end? I mean, a kid being in pre-K, I'm sorry, is not going to substitute for issues at home. A number of issues at home that contribute to that child's long-term issues. But again, we know Democrats want to indoctrinate as early as possible. They already are. Critical race theory is the latest example. Why not get these kids in pre-K so you can get these leftist socialist baby books in their hands where they celebrate hardcore socialist dictator types? One of the books celebrates this guy's name starts with a P. He's a big revolutionary. He leads like a gang. He's like a warlord down in... um, down in Mexico. These people are crazy. But they don't think they're crazy, right? They think that they know better. It's liberalism. And I bet most of the people that want CRT, most of the people supporting taxpayer dollars going to pre-K, which are most of us who actually pay taxes, they probably don't even have kids, right? They probably don't. They just love big government. It's scary how many Americans love big government. Well, Manchin refused Monday to endorse Joe Biden's $1.5 trillion social spending bill framework, right? The other part that's outside of infrastructure. He left the Democrats insisting that the mercurial Democratic senator would come around. He was pretty blunt for a guy that might just be playing games. He said he would not bow to party pressure to support the more progressive social spending bill and decried the, quote, shell games, budget gimmicks gimmicks used in writing it. So he's calling it out, how they tricked it up to make it seem like it's no longer $3.5 trillion, it's $1.75. A lot of it's the same amount, it's just spent instead over 10 years, five years, or maybe just two or three in some areas. He's from West Virginia, and I think he wants to be senator for a while longer. And a, you know, the only vulnerability he would ever have, I mean, he's a big name there. Is if he were to be identified as a progressive, and I don't know if he's running in 2024, but if someone like Trump is running on the presidential ticket, Joe Manchin could be at risk if that Republican presidential candidate's coattails are strong and Manchin is deemed a progressive by Republican Party ads. And if they run a really good conservative, a Trump conservative in West Virginia, where Trump won all 20 counties and will never lose a county, Manchin could lose. It's not easy. It's not as easy as it used to be to be an old-name Democrat, long-standing guy running in some of these states. People are getting tired of career politicians. Not tired enough. Still too many around. Joe Biden would still be the senator from Delaware. If he were so inclined, Hillary Clinton would still be Senator from New York and she'd be there until the day she died. Sway would be, Um, but it's crazy. I mean, Manchin is Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's proverbial 50th vote. Can't do without him. And no one knows where Kristen Sinema from Arizona is at either. So it's great to see. I love to see the chaos and it's great that they won't have a vote on Tuesday And Pelosi's not going to bring it to the House for a vote unless she knows it's going to win there and win in the Senate. Not going to waste her time. Manchin's saying, hey, let's do the infrastructure part. These projects that Joe Biden wants to sell everybody, that's so important, let's vote on that. He's telling the House to do it now, that he would support it as soon as it got to the Senate. But see, that would be a huge loss for Biden. Even though he'd sign it, they make a lot of fanfare of just the infrastructure part it's not build back better. It's not build back gooder or socialist, which is what now Joe Biden is all for. And fortunately, at least Manchin, no matter how he ends up voting, is at least calling it out and putting a real label on it. They're going to pass something. And it's not just going to be infrastructure. They're going to do it before this December deadline. And, um, you know, Even some of the more moderate, if there's such a thing, Democratic senators like Chris Coons, who's the other senator from Delaware, he said, quite a few of us are going to continue to press our friend and colleague. Chris Coons has always been a nice guy. Not much I agree with him on, but he's always been nice. And um, we'll see see where Manchin goes. But what's great is Virginia is happening before this debate and this bill is going to be decided in Congress. And so let's talk about what could happen tomorrow. I'm already fairly certain I feel very good about Yunkin. Virginia's got to show up. Republicans have got to show up. Because right now, with early voting, I'm sure McAuliffe has an advantage. Word is it's around 30,0, 400,000 votes. Yunkin's got the energy. Let's assume he wins. Well, let's talk about New Jersey. New Jersey would be a nightmare for the Democrats to lose. If they were to lose Virginia and New Jersey... Yeah, it sounds like a fantasy for us, so I don't want to invest too much in it, but it's in play. It's in play. And this guy, Sia Torelli, good Italian name, doesn't hurt New Jersey. Murphy's ahead of him, but it's a race. And, you know, one of the things that's made all these races different is COVID. In polls in New Jersey, COVID is only a priority for 6% of people polled. Across the board. It's no longer the issue that Democrats can embrace and run against Trump on, right? And Jack Torelli is surging. He did another barnstorm day-to-day. He's working a lot harder. You know, if you've seen this guy, Phil Murphy, I mean, he's just an old librarian, along with his silly sort of nothing to mention about wife. They did these ridiculous COVID addresses sitting on their grandma couch, talking to the people like it was a... Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood episode. I mean, the guy conveys no strength at all. So he's vulnerable in any election as far as I'm concerned. Um, But Cioterelli was part of the New New Jersey General Assembly. So he's a New Jersey guy. And um, he's got a lot of support. And yeah, Murphy's polling ahead of him. Pretty decent. um, Four to eight points. Right? depending on who you talk to, but Trafalgar has it 49.4% to 45.2% in favor of Murphy, okay? But there's 4.3% who said they were not yet sure which candidate they would support. Pollsters said the voter survey was conducted October 29th through 31st, so it's pretty recent with a 2.98% margin of error, which is pretty damn close to where Sia Torelli is to Murphy. So tomorrow afternoon, evening, I would be watching Fox News. They're going to be looking at certain districts, certain counties in New Jersey and Virginia. The one to watch in Virginia is going to be Loudoun. It's a more liberal county, but it was the epicenter of the school board issue. One of the biggest, most egregious violations by a school board involving the sexual assault of a young woman. And then let's see what they say about the more liberal right, Jersey areas and how well Sia doing. Because guys like Trump, when they won st- states like Virginia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and the first time when he won Ohio back when that was really a staunch 50-50 battleground state, I think Trump's pulled it, pulled it right for a while. You looked at certain counties. Cuyahoga was a big one. It's always a big one in Ohio. And I don't think Trump won it. I actually think he did when he was supposed to lose that by at least six or seven points to Hillary. And there are other counties where you hear them say the candidate's overperforming. They may not win the county because it's pretty Democrat. But if a guy like Cia Torelli wins in the urban part more points, he cuts that margin down. That's big votes, big numbers he's picking up that Democrats like Murphy must have. I like it. I like where it's at. I don't think these guys could have had a better environment with COVID restrictions, with tons. The one big issue and these governor's races hinge on local issues. So you can forget a little bit about the color of the state. Remember, Louisiana has John Bell Edwards as their governor. He's a Democrat. I mean, Republicans do not have to worry about Louisiana in a presidential race, but these states can't hinge. Colorado will elect, will elect a Republican governor again. Might have one now, I can't remember, but it, they're going to be blue for a long time. And then there's California, which, you know, they're just insane. But keep an eye on it. I'm pretty excited about that one. But if I, you know, if someone said, hey, you win Virginia, you won't win New Jersey, take it now, I would. Because the meltdown alone on Virginia, you're going to be able to taste it from the left. So be excited about it. I'll be watching it tomorrow, and I will come on late. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come on late. I'm going to be on the West Coast which, Coast, which is good. So I'll be able to do something around 11 Central, 9 Pacific. A quick update. You'll see it hit the podcast in a reaction. And hopefully, I'm doing the podcast version of cartwheels. I'll actually do one. I probably will. And if it goes silent, say a prayer for me. Hopefully, it's a recoverable injury. Um, so that's that on the, on those races. I mean, it's tightened everywhere, so much so that Youngkin's ahead in Virginia by any average. And It's in New Jersey has gotten it close, and he's got him nervous. And that's about all you can do in that state right now. But high taxes in New Jersey could be what does Murphy in. People in New Jersey are tired of living there, commuting to New York, and still paying New York-like prices to live there that's a problem. That's a problem. So we'll see how much of a problem it is for Democrats. Um, On polling, a fun one, this was a shocker, and it's from NPR, PBS NewsHour, Marist, national poll poll shows only 36% of Democrat voters want Joe Biden to run for re-election in 2024. Only 36%. Yeah, he's a disaster, and he's the disaster that's, I think, going to start paying big dividends, big results starting tomorrow in those governor's races and on into 2022. He can't do anything. He's been abroad for a week now. He made some decent appearances while he was in Rome, but then there was a rumor that went nuts on Reddit all over the Internet that he shit himself during a meeting with either the French Prime Minister or the Pope or something. I mean, it was more than just an out-of-nowhere rumor. I don't like that stuff. It's not classy. I certainly hope it didn't happen. That's brutal. But based on what I've seen, it's possible. And remember, the left loved to talk about Donald Trump shitting his pants, but you should see the internet reaction from them when you mention it. diapers being associated with Joe Biden. It's like, how dare you? And of course, let's not forget let's go. Brandon is gone, has gone nuclear. So much so. So while Biden is possibly shitting his pants, he's now in Scotland holding these climate accords that don't have China or Russia there. And even someone there said this is Boris Johnson, prime minister of UK. So this is like a drop in the ocean. So we're wasting our time. And they are. They are. It's a waste of time. If China and Russia aren't going to talk about pollution, you're wasting your time. Maybe India was there. Who knows what they're going to try to change. I guess Saudi Arabia showed up because I thought they weren't, but they don't give a damn either. And all Biden's going to be doing there is begging them for more oil because he cut our goddamn supply and our ability to drill ourselves when he was elected president. But now Let's Go Brandon has caused a mainstream media meltdown. It has been compared by leftist media members to long-live ISIS, they're actually trying to say it's like a terrorist chant, and it's fun to see. I mean, these are the people who had people like Kathy Griffin holding up what looked to be a real severed head on the internet of Donald Trump. Something that his son, who was at the time was like twelve or thirteen year olds, would have twelve or thirteen years old would have seen. These classy gems are upset that you and I are getting a kick. Out of "Let's Go, Brandon" because we know it means "fuck Joe Biden." Thank you to that NBC NASCAR reporter for creating what might be the longest living hashtag in the history of social media. It's fantastic, and um, it's it's driven them crazy. It's because it's it's associated with Trump. You might have heard about a Southwest pilot saying it over the rate over the overhead over the PA. I think this was as he was closing out his 10,000-foot briefing. He said, let's go, Brandon. Apparently, there was a reporter. This lady's had a Twitter meltdown. She's lost her mind. I mean, she's caused a firestorm freaking out about it, talking about she didn't feel safe. This is how twisted up people got from Trump and then you added COVID. I think they leave their homes in fear every moment they walk outside their door. And if you don't think They believe every one of us who might have supported Trump who do now. If you don't think that they think we're white supremacists, you need to get a clue. Because it's dangerous to believe they don't. They do. All of you. I don't care what you look like. Okay, Larry Elder, who ran for governor in the recall for the Republicans, was painted as a white nationalist by the Democrats. So no one's safe from that. No one's safe. You, if you, you don't think they think that, they do. And that's why they're triggering when they hear let's go Brandon over the P-8. Southwest launched an investigation in the pilot accused of saying let's go Brandon. And they said it's unacceptable. Will they fire him? That'll be ridiculous if they do. Are they going to discipline him? He opened himself up for it. One, because liberals have no sense of humor. Two, because the climate we're in, especially if he's a white male, odds are he is. If he's an airline pilot at Southwest it's like 90% chance. Okay. It's not United Airlines. We're going to put more women or minorities up there because they are good at a flight simulator, but that apparently you're going to feel better about seeing a diverse cockpit, not knowing what kind of training or experience they have. Bullshit. I don't care what race you are or sex you are. I just want to see gray hair. If I see gray hair, there's a chance you flew in the military. And I like to see, I'm sorry. I don't like these regional gents with these young guys that go to like civilian pilot school and flew in decent weather all their lives. I like Sully Sullivan who flew damaged F-4s in Vietnam. And when he landed on the Hudson, he was basically wondering what he was going to have for dinner because that motherfucker was down for the struggle he'd been through it. And we're losing that by the way. We're not getting as many as the of those seasoned military pilots coming into the airline industry it's not attractive enough for them and there's so much demand you're getting a lot of up-and-comers that have never flown over enemy territory i want dudes that have had to limp a big aircraft onto the runway saving lives already coming into that united or southwest interview like they're real fucking g like what do you want me to do oh no thunder no big deal Because I know how to fly the plane. We'll come off autopilot, and I'll land that bitch. Strap in, everybody. You're going to be fine. That's what you want. I don't care what they look like, but United does. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, this Southwest pilot's going to get in some trouble. Hopefully, it's just a suspension. They certainly can't afford to be dropping experienced pilots anywhere, even at Southwest. And they already had a bunch of delays. With American this weekend, I was flying again. Luckily, I used an old American ticket, didn't get stuck in it, but they had just like more and more flights, over a thousand already, maybe 2,000 now. It's been more than one day. And they claimed weather and high winds, which were a factor in areas like Phoenix and Vegas. That happens sometimes. It doesn't make sense that it lasted two days and is ongoing. There's something to do like these other issues with the COVID mandates. And we'll, we'll slip into this other issue. I don't know what's happened in New York and states that had this November 1 deadline. But last I saw... Massive percentages in New York of firefighters and police officers were set to go on leave today, banking in, taking time off because they can't work. It's a nightmare. One firefighter from New York was being interviewed a few days ago saying, hey, we've got to bring guys back from their academic duties, so people would go teach at the academy for a year, get them out of the field. Normally, when you come back from those assignments, you've got to retrain because you're getting back into it right? You're an EMT, you're a firefighter, you got to retrain, catch up, kind of get recertified. Makes sense. They're bypassing that for a lot of those guys because they're so short on numbers. Can you imagine that? It's scary. It really is. And um, I think it's going to be, I don't know. I mean, going back to New Jersey, New York and New Jersey are joined at the hip. You're playing games, even with liberals, when you're telling them, hey, these guys are already strapped, they're already overworked, and we're taking 25% or more away, but we can still do it. I mean, these guys that run these fire, these these ladders, these firehouses, these police departments, the captains, the lieutenants, I mean, they're saying they're they're military man. They're like, hey, we will get it done, we'll do it. And they probably will, but it's gonna take a toll on people that we were celebrating as heroes last year for working during the pandemic. Cops got smacked by it, especially NYPD. And now these guys, many of whom were hospitalized or very sick from COVID, who have antibodies, we know from data have antibodies, are being told, get these two shots or we don't want you anymore. And this is why the liberals are lying when they say they support the military and they say they support the cops. Anytime they say they support things that are associated that we would associate with patriotism, there's always a big fucking if with them. It's the same with black people. It's the same with women. They support you if. Woman, they support you if you're fucking liberal. Same with you, black person. Same with you, Mexican person, Latino person. Same with you, firefighter. Same with you, police officer. We support you if you agree with us. That if is always there. It's never leaving. It has been since I was a kid. Don't let them bullshit you. If they tie a ribbon around the tree, it says if on it. And the moment you're an African-American, you're a black person, that aligns with Larry Elder, they no longer support you. And even worse, that's not enough to not support you. They want to destroy you. They want to destroy you. And that bitch, Ilyan Omar in Minneapolis, had the nerve last week to blame the massively spiking crime in her district, which is in that city that's turning into a cesspool. She blamed it on, you know who, the cops, basically not doing their jobs. There's a ballot measure in Minneapolis tomorrow, in Minnesota, to redesign their police department, to make it more of a public safety department. Oh, my God. But that witch had the nerve to blame it. This is what they are. Now, she is a supporter of Islamic terrorists. It's documented. Groups she's supported with are affiliated. I'll say it right now. That woman, by any standard, standard, could be justified in spending some time at Gitmo. And she's a member of Congress with the Democratic Party. And she said yesterday or a few days ago that the rise in crime is due to police not doing their jobs. Is she unbelievable? I mean, she wanted cops gone last year. People are listening. People, I mean, there are more and more people that identify as independents. And that's, that's the reality. And that's going to be the big win when Yunkin does it tomorrow and maybe in Jersey and especially in the 2022 midterms, especially them. Um, Want to talk about Alec Baldwin. He had that weird interview outside his Manchester home in Vermont where they went to supposedly, he and his wife went, his wife Hilaria, Hilaria, whatever. They have this six bedroom hideaway rental home out there that they're living in. And they went there to get away from it and mourn. Yet outside the house, the driveway on the street, Baldwin has this, legally insane and stupid. What I mean legally is he shouldn't be talking to the press under advisement of his attorney. How do I know his attorney said that? Baldwin said his attorney said he shouldn't say anything. What does he do? He starts saying stuff. Remember, he's not just the guy that shot that woman. He's the producer of the film. So he's got all kinds of responsibility and all he could do was call it an accident. He was rather condescending as a feminist he is to his wife. He was like, you know, can I, can I, can I answer the question, please? May, I, may I be the one to answer the question? And you know how he is. It's always an arrogant. This is a terrible accident, and you know, I've just, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been advised by my attorneys to not say anything, and you know, it's like, <laughs> and um, you know, and but these things are, you know, these things happen. We we run our set like a well-oiled machine, and then she, the wife cuts in. And she's basically like, shit, Alec, you're not really... Sp-. He's like, you know, we're, we're kind of being harassed outside of our home. This is bad for you. Maybe you should shut up. He should listen to his wife. Go home, Alec. You're drunk. No, he kept going. And he might have he been. He might be a functioning alcoholic. He's always seemed hungover when he does his morning Twitter videos. But he was... She was... Yeah, she was interrupting him. But there's a time to interrupt people. I mean, they do it to Biden all the time when he starts trailing off. By the way, he's falling asleep at those Scottish climate deals. I saw that pop up. hes They've got all kinds of memes coming out now. He was sleeping during these climate accords. I mean, it's jet lag's a bitch, but he's been acclimated to Europe for a week now. These are just long days. He, he doesn't work but four hours a day. But going back to poor Hilaria, she's trying to help her husband. And, and he's just like, uh, excuse me, I'm... I'm gonna, may I answer the question? I'm, I'm going to answer the question now. Pauses just to make sure his dick factor is emphasized. And he goes back to talking. He doesn't say anything about it. It's like, dude, you can't say that that set was a well-oiled machine because, I don't know, somebody handed you a live round. And already one of the largest firearms training groups in Hollywood, this group is... Like, they worked with the John Wick. If you've seen any of the John Wick movies, there's been two. There's a lot of blanks getting fired off. And Alec Baldwin is trying to turn this into some activism movement to reform the set. No, dude. Had you done what this group trained everybody to do and to to include Keanu Reeves on the set of John Wick, she'd still be alive. Sorry. Because they, this group, not this low-budget, colored-hair, feminazi who likes to look like she's some armed bitch from Lord of the Rings, right? I mean, she she thinks she's a cowgirl with tattoos. Just, I mean, her social media does nothing for her. And it wasn't just her. This assistant director was the one that handed the gun that came from her, supposedly. But now they're all like, there's sh- people, there shouldn't be live ammunition. Well, not with an actual ra- slug. But they've been firing blanks and not at people for decades in Hollywood. And I guarantee you, you hand Keanu Reeves a gun and say it's cold. He's take, he's removing the clip. He's checking it. Or if they are going to be blanks, he's going to be firing blanks. He's loading it himself. And boy, if people hadn't before, they are now. This doesn't require reform because you screwed up and you were negligent, Alec. Not only negligent as the actor who fired off a couple rounds rehearsing a scene at people. Which Clint Eastwood will tell you there's no reason to ever point a gun, loaded or not, especially not with blanks at anybody. These are not this doesn't require cinematography genius to film a scene that looks like you're shooting at people and you're actually not pointing the gun at them. And we're not in a first person shooter view. But Alec, very flippantly, the word is he was like, You want me to do it like this? Bang bang. And one of those rounds not only killed this poor young woman, went through her and killed one of the assistant, I'm sorry, injured severely one of the assistant directors. All of the friendliness, the buddy, buddy crap that's been going on between Alec and the victim's families, that's going to fade. New Mexico's county sheriff who's handling it, the district attorney who's putting the case together. This is a criminal investigation. They don't care how many Twitter followers Alec Baldwin has. And I think what he did outside of his rental home in Manchester, Vermont, didn't help his case. And although he's a known feminist and supporter of women, he chose to cut his wife off rudely and continue to talk to reporters. Not smart, dude. I thought that was a big mistake. Big mistake. Want to close with something because people are going to freak out and they shouldn't. Let's not be like liberals when the Supreme Court overturns and rules against the Texas heartbeat law for against abortion. And I try to read things and understand why this was not simply outlawing abortion, which is hard to do constitutionally by a state, by anyone. What Texas did was create an environment, a legal environment that would allow civil action against anyone who was associated with or performed an abortion after six weeks. You could turn in, as a citizen, an Uber driver that takes people to get their abortion. They'd be involved and they'd be civilly liable. So you could sue doctors that were doing it. Organizations could have opened up. From a strategic standpoint, it was a smart end around of constitutional protections of what they call uh, federal supremacy. And the right are flipping out at Kavanaugh and Barrett because they seem to be leaning against this law. I understand why. It's a bit of a trick play. And if we take this and it it is upheld by the Supreme Court, it opens up this kind of legal angle by states against other constitutional protections. Now, should abortion be constitutionally protected? It's an argument and it really isn't. It's the it's the Supreme Court's ruling of Roe v. Wade that protects abortion federally as it is today. But think about the Second Amendment. Think about gun ownership and what would happen to us if we became civilly liable for owning a gun or carrying a gun. Think about how many leftists would go out faithfully in an excited, most passionate way looking for gun owners and turning us in to groups that would be suing the shit out of us and emptying our 401ks, our savings, with absolute glee. So as much as I was in favor of what the Texas abortion bill was doing, I don't think it should stand. I don't. I don't like where it goes. I'm a constitutionalist. And there is going to be a case that is essentially a relook at Roe v. Wade coming up. They're going to see it. So the left's going to celebrate it, but it's a legal win, not so much as of an ideological win. So don't panic. If this is an issue near and dear to your heart, just know that Paxton and Texas did their best with it. It was smart. It was smart, but it has constitutional problems. I appreciate you guys listening. I have to run. I have to get back to my real job now, but I love doing this. I appreciate we're getting some slow and steady growth to downloads and listening um, on Apple, on Spotify, on everything. Thanks so much. You know, Podbean, too, the people that have that app are listening and making comments. I really appreciate it. I will be back tomorrow. I'm going to wait until after the election to broadcast something, both in Virginia and New Jersey. Let's hope we know, and let's hope we go 2-0 tomorrow in what are thought to be two blue states. God bless. I will talk to you soon.